Today's episode of White Sox Business is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips, T-I-P-S. Perform on the field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Hello, and welcome to another episode of White Sox Business, the White Sox podcast that wishes they were here to talk about the three-game series the White Sox just finished playing in Boston, but spoiler alert, we're not. There's still no baseball to talk about. I am your host, Tom Fernelli, and joining me today, fresh off a press conference he never knew he'd miss going to so much, is the Athletics White Sox reporter and the fastest Jamaican in history, James Vegan. <laughs> James... <laughs> You ventured into the outside world. You saw the sun. What was it like? Uh, it was it was very nice out. Um, it, it, it definitely was fulfilling to actually like feel like I was doing work again. But it was also weird. Uh, I guess I haven't covered a mayoral press conference in quite a while, and when it was, it was uh, Buddha Judge. <laughs> so this was kind of a transition. Um, I kind of just like. Did Pete Buttigieg have to walk as far to the podium when you covered his press conference at Lori Lightfoot? Yeah, that was that was funny. There was like this whole entrance, and like they brought her up in a car out of the tunnel, and she just walks out to like the fifty yard line where this podium is like set up all by herself. And obviously, she's not the tallest person that ever existed, and she's very proud of her her very like White Sox starter style jacket that um, we're not playing was written on. She, she bragged about it a little bit when I talked to her afterwards. By the which I thought the press conference was over. I just like left, and they're like, did, they got like a message from their their PR person. Was like, did you not want to meet or talk to the mayor afterwards? I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know I was that important. And I had to like book it back in. Soldier you should have just been like, no. <laughs> Soldier Field security was like very cool, letting me in. They were very, they were a lot less cool about me all of a sudden wanting back in three minutes later. That was what they like more <laughs> perked up there, like this. Who are you? <laughs> type of like uh, inquiries, but it, it was all cool. She talked a little about the socks after she was done talking to Barstool for like 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> oh, got to start where the people listen first. I can now check off the mayor of Chicago as another person I've complained about not having content to write about, too. Um, <laughs> she's, she was, she was, seems sympathetic. Yeah, she's probably, she was probably like, oh, wow. I've, of all the things I've had to deal with in the last month, this is. This is the saddest story I've heard yet. Is poor little Jimmy Pop. He doesn't know. It's what like to yo, talk about. doing these phone interviews is the real to do. <laughs> oh, don't you hate talking on the phone? That's all I can do these days. Uh, it's the worst. It takes like three stories to put these three calls to put these stories together. It takes like five hours. You have to like email somebody and then hear back and then set up a time and then transcribe the phone call. So, yeah, you understand. Yeah, for sure. Short, short little recap. What what is the "We're Not Playing" campaign? They're you know they're mad, the players are shooting in the. It's not so much different than what they're already doing. Like I don't feel like 
there was no players saying like, hey, everybody, let's stay safe and stay inside before this. And now there's just more organized effort. And they're, you know, shooting videos on their Instagram and their Twitter accounts and telling people to stay inside, which is, you know, more or less people are already doing. And I feel like maybe the probably the more thing, not that I'm in favor of like arresting people or just in favor of, a you know, iron fist approach in general, but probably the fact that they're arresting people if they go on the beach is having more of an impact than Lucas Giolito telling people to stay inside. No, no fault of Lucas or anything like that, but it's, it's almost like. This is something they've been pushing for like a month now or three weeks. And now this is kind of a second wave of actually organizing athletes to kind of remind people in case we get too excited about the fact that the weather is not terrible at all to remind people that basically stay inside. And even though that the case loads, maybe after this week, maybe after two weeks might start to actually flatten a little bit um, to not really let up and then continue to, um, Stay, stay locked inside with, with partnerships and family relationships that maybe aren't as good as you, you thought they were before you got locked in with them 24 hours a day. That, that, that type of push. Not, not to disparage the campaign, but instead to disparage humans in general. I do find it funny that like a president or a governor or a mayor telling people to stay inside might not get through or like you know a doctor telling people to do it might not get through everybody but then then you're like well well maybe if maybe if we get bears punter pat o'donnell to say (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's that's the not not even subtext but like very much out in the open like yeah we're not going to reach people as effectively as zach levine will which is just ridiculous, but it's also yeah, no, that's right. They're they're making the right call. That is what works. We need like Jane Lynch, who, <laughs> which, which is already acknowledged by her campaign, like way more effective than any of her like serious tone briefings. It's been like the freaking memes have been like the last two weeks. <laughs> Those are the things everyone's seen, like the the thing of her on the water fountain or uh, yeah. Somebody I saw somebody in like Lawndale has like a a cardboard cutout. <laughs> standing on their front yard <laughs> which like at one point it's like both depressing but also like it's probably a more effective communication tool than anything else and i don't know freaking memes are probably going to get reelected more than anything else you could do which it's just not not great but um you know i guess the alternative right now is literal death from uh pneumonia so <laughs> i guess it's better i guess it's better be ruled by memes it's just that's just where we are as a society right now. We are ruled by memes. Uh, this is this is a state of world affairs where I you know not great, but you know is how you can sum up um, most positive political developments. I think you know we're we're going to start the episode today with some sad news. It's some things that changed since we last recorded on Wednesday. Of course, on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, White Sox radio broadcaster, former pitcher for the White Sox, many other teams, Ed Farmer, grew up in Evergreen Park as a White Sox fan, and then, like I said, went on to become the White Sox radio guy, starting in 1991 on the radio as the color analyst, alongside John Rooney from 92 to 2005, and then switching to play-by-play from 2006 to 2019. Ed Farmer passed away. There was no official... Re, you know, cause for death announced, although it's known that Ed had been dealing with polycystic kidney disease his entire life. Many years ago, he received a kidney donation from his brother. 
and he passed away likely from that on Wednesday evening, Thursday morning. So it's it's weird because we're now in a time like obviously with the coronavirus thing going on that somebody dying from a more, you know, not even I don't I don't know what the right word to use here is, but it's just I feel like it kind of gets lost in the shuffle when somebody's dying from something that isn't the coronavirus right now. Yeah, it's it's something we probably were aware of or worried about before any of this came to light that his condition was not good because it kind of made him miss all of uh, the last couple weeks of last season. I think all but one game of spring training. Uh, and it was definitely talked about a little bit over the winter that he was not doing so well, but it, it it's hard to, it's hard to just, so anytime you hear somebody like die, it's almost a natural question of like, Oh, was it Corona really? It's something. And the fact that he had his own illness and that there was something else, uh, another condition at play, really doesn't reduce the idea that it was, you know, COVID related at all, but they said it was the White Sox did dictate that it was due to the, the, the condition that he had of that had been affecting him the last few years. But yeah, you're right. It was definitely something that was on my mind when that happened. And it definitely kind of gets lost in the shuffle when we're losing a lot of people, um, especially the older people who are a little bit vulnerable to this. So yeah, great talk. Yeah. So, I mean, it's to, to move on from the sad part of it to just get, you know, you you wrote a story about it after it was announced and everything, talking to a bunch of people. And I feel like a lot of the time when, obviously, when somebody dies that is either, you know, a public figure or just somebody who's well-known in a certain area like Ed Farmer would be to, you know, baseball fans in Chicago and just some baseball fans nationally just from his career and what he's done in radio – you often hear like, you know, somebody dies and then you'll see, especially on Twitter, like, you know, the, oh, you know, rest in peace, blah, blah, blah. You know, everybody says something nice, obviously. But then every once in a while, a person passes and it's not just people saying something nice about the person. It's that they actually have nice stories to tell. And I feel like those that's one of the telling things, like when somebody like Ed Farmer passes and then everybody you talk to has a story about Ed Farmer that's just, you know, shows what kind of person he was. I think that really speaks to how nice of a person he was. And I know you haven't been on the White Sox beat for as long as many, but besides for the people that you talk to, which you can get into as well, do you have any kind of, you know, stories of your relationship or, you know, connections with Ed since your time on the beat? I really don't. Like, Probably reporting this was a little surprising. I didn't really interact with him very much at all. I was in the same booth with him a couple of times, and he was, you know, I kind of had the same perception with him as everybody else going in, which was that he's dry and sarcastic on air, and he kind of is an imposing-looking dude, and he doesn't, like, he's not, like, cracking huge, like, Cheshire crack cat grins all the time or anything in the clubhouse or anything. He looks kind of dour, and I always thought he'd be a little severe, but... Uh, whenever we had to go into like the radio booth to like interview Darren Jackson or something, or, or kind of talking with other White Sox legends passing away, they were always great about talking to us uh, about it and, and giving us quotes to the media, and they were always very e- easy going. Uh, but I don't have like a, a huge ton of stuff about them. I always got like um, warned <laughs> that if I told Ed that I went to Notre Dame, that I'd talk to about Notre Dame football. <laughs> For like three hours, and I guess I took it as a genuine warning <laughs> as opposed to like just a light joking one. Like, <laughs> yeah, go talk to him. He's really friendly, which is probably what would have been the better thing to do. Um, <laughs> so it, it was a lot of work to kind of find <laughs> no, out no, about him. That is you in a nutshell, though. <laughs> 
like, oh, someone, hey, don't talk to Ed. You'll, he will never stop. And be like, oh, okay, I'll avoid him. Like, like genuinely. <laughs> I won't even make eye contact. So I was a regret that I didn't get to know him better because I felt like I was kind of behind the eight ball a little bit when it happened. It was like, I really don't know that many stories about this dude. I need to kind of work. And so I made all these calls uh, thinking maybe if I have a 30, 40% hit rate, I'll be able to write a story about him. <laughs> Instead, I had a 100% hit rate on like eight people over the course of like a day. And as I'm talking about the phone interviews, it's a lot of like coordination to put that together. So by the time I'm like done transcribing everything, it's like seven o'clock at night. And I, I whipped up the story as fast as I could. I filed it at like 8 p.m. But at that point, we held on to it for the next day. And I have all these people I'm like trying to like put in jam in the perspective of because everyone's just reaching out and they want to talk like about Ed for a half hour. And um, like I, I just kind of emailed Dan Evans, who was a former uh, GM of the Dodgers and worked with the Sox for 20 years. And he just, you know, I had all these things about Ed, all these golf stories that didn't make it into the into the story and stuff like that and all this stuff about how he helped him and everybody. And, you know, John Rooney called at the end of the day, who I didn't expect to hear from because um, I didn't know what he was doing. I assumed he was sorting through stuff. And um, he had that great story about from Darren Jackson, who I, I thought would be too uh, <laughs> beside himself with grief, but wound up doing a conference call and then told that story about coming back from uh, Japan after a few years and didn't think that Ed would recognize him and Ed <laughs> breaking it down by saying, I know who you are, dick face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's, here's the story. I'll, I'll quote Darren from your story. I left the White Sox to go to Japan and then came back several years later playing ball back in the States and then came back to the White Sox in 99 as a player. One of the things I remember so much is coming back and actually playing with another team after going away and seeing Ed sitting there with the White Sox in town interviewing somebody. I went up to him and said, hey, Ed, how are you? I'm Darren Jackson. He looked at me and said, I know who you are, dickface. <laughs> Which was, to be clear, a term of endearment. And one yes. of the things that uh, Chris Rangi pointed out was that he found it kind of frustrating to get all these calls uh, to score about like how Ed and DJ didn't like each other which is like these are two guys who love each other who are literally just constantly giving each other shit like that's a total marker of masculine male friendship of just constant belittling one another and constantly cutting each other off and messing with each other they just did it on air they didn't they, it's really the only view of chemistry it's really the only benefit of having friends <laughs> It's talking shit about them. Yeah, like our text message threads are not uh, the picture of warmth or anything like that. And I view that as a you know a sign that we're cool with each other. Yeah. When I'm yelling at Cam uh, for telling me to restart my Zoom mic or uh, to change the inputs, uh, you know, it's a sign of friendliness and also an irritation, but also comfort with Cam. That I feel like I can call him genius sarcastically, and he won't take it too too personally. Yeah. So, well, speaking of Cam, we could probably talk all the shit we want about him right now because he's not listening. He's on a work conference call. God, please record. don't. <laughs> We're just about done. Thirty minutes later. <sighs> so, yeah, Cam, do you have any words? Never mind. Uh so yeah, that was that was kind of a sad way to start the weekend just it sucks to hear ed farmer somebody you know i didn't i used to listen to the white Sox on the radio a lot more often before i found myself working in a job where i was working from home most of the time and able to watch all the games on television so i haven't really listened to a ton of radio really since he became the play-by-play -play. but i mean i i know that when you talk to white Sox fans i feel like 
there were always some complaints about the radio booth. Like you said, a lot of people thought they hated each other, which I never really got that kind of sense. I could kind of tell, you know, I could pick up what they were doing. I got the jokes. I got the in I didn't understand them, but I knew what they were doing. So I think that sometimes a lot of fans were somewhat unfair about the radio broadcast, but I can't really say I, I listened enough the last few years to really have a typical, like a, a reliable say on it. But it, it is sad news. It did suck, suck to hear it. And, you know, hopefully i don't know i don't even know how i don't know the right way to end this but just you know it sucks i'm sorry to ed his wife his daughter and i hope that you know they're able to deal with it and get through especially at a time like this where it's it's a lot more difficult to deal with these things because of the situation we currently find ourselves in and i don't know maybe in a way the everything going on will serve as a distraction i don't know i'm kind of getting lost in the sauce here we should probably move on i mean something rooney mentioned was that it's a real shame that's happening now because i mean like anyone but especially for ed like his funeral would have been just packed like he knew everybody around the league he was extremely well traveled extremely well known extremely like any any ballpark he went to around the league would have been packed with people who knew him and wished him well so i mean he said that they could have packed guaranteed rate field for his funeral i don't know about that that's a lot of people but uh you get the idea the idea that it's going to have to be some private affair that's not going to be like this this mass gathering where everyone could tell Ed's stories and kind of feel cheered by it is one of the big, uh, you know, unfortunate elements of it. Yeah. All right. Well, mo- moving on to theoretical baseball, uh, Ken Rosenthal wrote over the weekend or just before the weekend about major league baseball is the headline is MLB pondering games in empty spring parks, but many obstacles remain and who boy do they. But the general gist is MLB, you know, like every sports league right now is trying to figure out a way to get games in, which is not dangerous, but at least not, you know, trying not to do it in a dangerous manner and also do it in a way because, you know, teams and leagues stand these are these are businesses like everybody else who are in the process of possibly losing a lot of money and nobody wants to lose that money so mlb is kind of trying to hope that they could do what korea is apparently or south korea is going to be trying in the in the next few weeks fingers crossed for them but playing in empty stadiums most likely playing the games all in the spring training parks with Arizona, Ken writing being the more likely one because the stadiums that the teams play in are all more close, closer together than the ones in Florida are. But I mean, quarantining the teams, playing all the games in Arizona at spring training stadiums. I mean, is this, this is a pipe dream, right? I mean, it's more realistic than just being back to normal at some point this summer. Like, the idea that they're going to be playing in Kauffman Stadium in front of 30,000 people, uh, well, one, because the Royals aren't good this year, but <laughs> that seems more, this is definitely, like, hard, and, and uh, I think they list all the reasons where a single positive test, test shutting down the league kind of mm-hmm. exists as a specter the entire time, um, and, and basically the fact that you'd have to quarantine all the players, and you'd have to have basically the depth. You know, teams are usually churning through their entire 40-man over the course of the season. You'd have to have that all in hand and somehow keeping it fresh with the fact that minor league baseball is just even harder to imagine being, taking place in a form. It, it's definitely it's going to be very hard and just literally like one reliever going to like uh, some like family party could ruin the entire league. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, it, it seems like it'd be very hard to pull off and very trying for everyone involved. But I, I think it's more realistic than um, just kind of returning to normal in August at some point, I, I would have to say. I mean, it seems like it's dependent on some sort of like actual workable treatment uh, coming forward in the next few months beyond the vaccine, which obviously has to take its a more longer year long process to really um, work. Like this has to be something that can be tackled. The, the, the disease has to be something that can be tackled in short order and not just require a pure quarantine literally every single time, because I, I don't see how that that uh, really gets in control. Also, uh, July, August in Arizona kind of limits the time you can play without you know everyone baking to death and worth mentioning <laughs> it's, it's nice that everyone's like within an hour drive i certainly love that about spring training i love the spring training commute was the entire time <laughs> the entire season i'd love to uh just move to arizona that'd be great <laughs> but um uh it, it'll be it'll be difficult in august it'll be a lot of night games the the average high in glendale in June is 103.9. In July, it's 106.1. And in August, it's 104.4. But it does dip to 99.8 in September. And of course, James, it's a dry heat. <laughs> it is a dry heat. So Not, not be dry players. A lot of fluids I, uh, slapping around. Scientifically, it might be wise. It might not. It might be a good thing because, you know, if, if this is a winter virus, then it probably wouldn't be as powerful in those kind of temperatures in Arizona. But I just think that, I don't know. I, I feel like the idea that they're going to be able to do this. I mean, I understand that you have to go through plans and try to figure things out. I just don't see any logistical way in which this, like they might start it. I don't see it finishing because like you said, it only takes one person out of Everybody involved, and not just the players, like Ken wrote, people who work for the team, people who are broadcasting the games, you know, people who are working in the stadiums. And I don't mean like, you know, like Usher seating people because there won't be fans, but I just mean anybody who works at the stadium. All it takes is one of those Turning people. Turning the lights on. Yeah, to come up with, to, to be to test positive and have interactions with other people. And it's just, you know, especially if they're all quarantined in the same area, that might actually make it, if once it gets in, wouldn't it be as difficult for it to spread around the population that's in that quarantined area? So, also, like how much testing resources do you need to have available for everybody on a regular basis? Exactly. And I just, I mean, in a way, I understand there's like the thought process of with what everybody's going through right now, having some kind of sport as a distraction would be good psychologically and mentally. And in another way, galaxy braining here. For Major League Baseball, which has been, you know, waning in popularity the last couple decades, being the only sport going might be a good thing for it in long term wise. But I just I just I just don't see it. And I feel like we're talking ourselves into I think it's just kind of that denial phase of everything where it's like, well, what if we do this? What if we do that? And everybody's just kind of grasping at straws, hoping that things can get back to normal as quickly as possible. And I I'm the right there with you. It's just realistically or pragmatically, I just I don't see it happening. I think that we're more likely to not have a baseball season at all than we are to see this plan not only start, but work. I don't know. Uh, you know, things change a lot in a month as we've experienced, uh, since a month ago today, Lucas Giolito was making his cactus league debut and things seemed, uh, fine. So I don't know. I tried to put some faith in the idea of a treatment or the fact that, or a drastic 
steady reduction in in cases that gives some confidence that the you know it, it it's somewhat isolated. So I don't I don't want to be doom and gloom entirely just yet. But that's right what I now about you, James. It You're doesn't so look optimistic. It's it's not great, and uh, <laughs> I would love to have a pay be paid to live in Arizona and say piss off to you for forever and um, <laughs> not have to come back to my hometown fuck you guys out there in the radio land yeah. <laughs> this is actually we're a podcast james this is the radio i don't i don't know if you understand how technology works These i mean not- I, I think our i think our incident with the zoom meeting this this afternoon <laughs> would prove that you put don't. a pretty yeah. strong statement yeah maybe zoom isn't the technology of the future in the post-coronavirus world after all? I don't know. James doesn't not really the know. the technology of the future of this microphone. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Maybe they're not compatible. They One swipe left and it just didn't work. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's get to what the people are really here for. How's exactly. Tiago doing? Four goals, two assists his last time out. Just Ooh. a fucking butcher dream. <laughs> I, I think I sent you the video where I just like egregiously set a screen on the goalkeeper while my teammates scored. Yeah, I, 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 I'm just glad to see that one thing that hasn't changed is your inability to shoot a fucking useful video. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, I don't even know what I'm looking that at. That shit grainy. That is rough. <laughs> I, I, I was probably giggling too much. Is I just Coleco vision. What the fuck is this? I just Nokia go- ass phone. <laughs> I just collided like full speed with the goaltender, like trying to clear out of the box, and they just let it keep playing as my teammate banged it in as he was trying to scramble out of the way of my huge body, which is three times the size of the normal Irishman. Um, yeah, I I wonder. I either need to turn up the difficulty level or get out of this fucking league because that was that was a league. clown show. No, we've we've talked about this. You you have to get out of this league. I mean. No offense to the good people of Ireland, but you're too good for the league. Yeah. Um, this this was like, I could have scored five goals. I fucked up a shot badly. And I started this like game at like 80% energy because it was like three days after the last one. I think it's, do you, do you know how to make a transfer request? Yeah, I just don't want to push the red button. I'm scared. I want to be a good teammate. I don't want to, I don't want to abandon Liam Kerrigan and Jack Keeney and I think where, someone else is named O'Donnell. Where are you in the season? Um, like 15, 16 games in. But what month? Uh, end of November. So you're not at January yet. Which January? In January is when the transfer window opens. It opens like twice? Yeah, there, it's over the summer, like the off season, and then there's one month during the season in January where you can transfer. So okay, I'll just play the transfer window. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, no, I'm saying you play it out in January. You might get sold. And if not, like about a week before the end of the month, just put in a transfer demand. That that seems wrong. That's I'm not Jimmy Butler here. But let's put it this way. Jimmy Butler is now in Miami on a good team. And the Bulls are getting turned down by Everybody they ask if they want to interview for the general manager I, I, job. I'm not Jimmy Butler. I'm Chris Sale, where my desire is to trade. I see in private, but don't make public statements about it. And then you end up winning a World Series. I mean, these are I, horrible, horrible examples you're bringing to show why only, you should Only after I tear apart jerseys in the locker room. 
Uh, you, I mean, I think, again, there should be interest in you. We'll see what they do. Or if you yeah, want. Will, will they just come for me? Because I feel like that's a smooth exit. Some Some teams will. It's just I feel like if they don't, at some point, you got you got to you know pull the trigger because it's your career, man. It's, you can't just rely on other people. You you've got it. I'm 15. I'm a six foot one, 15 year old. Sure, there, there's time. I don't have to like. Do I you, can play out a full season. Do you want to be the next Leo Messi or the next Ronaldo? I'm or already the, significantly taller than Leo Messi. Or the next great Jamaican soccer player. I don't know. I also don't like. Don't want to like rush to the meet like getting my ass kicked again. That wasn't fun. You won't get your ass kicked. You'll be fine. I headed a ball in today. That never happens. I just, I just think that it's better for you as a, as a, as a player in your future if, if you leave UC Dublin, which again, literally, is a college team. <laughs> you you'd think as a college, if as a college team, we'd have more people like above the age of nineteen on it. No, but but no, nope. I think I think you should probably head across that little sea there into England at the very least. Even Maybe I could play the for the, the first division team in Ireland. Yeah. Or, wait, there's two divisions? Yeah, I'm in second division. Wow, you really? There's I a, mean, there's a first and there's a premier, and I'm in the first, which is so it means it's really the second. I did not realize the game had two Irish divisions in it. That is even worse. I mean, you're yeah. not only in Ireland, but you're not even in the top Irish league. No. Get out of there, dude. You're holding Tiago <laughs> back. You're no holding him shit. back to his potential. It's not like I'm having trouble getting passes for my teammates anymore. Great. Go go to a team that has players that there's never going to be trouble getting passes from them because they're not all terrible. I don't think we've been scored upon in like three or four games. Like the last game was 6 nothing. It was very comical. So are you en route to earning promotion? Uh, how do you how do you tell? Jesus Christ, James. <laughs> They, there's no indicators on there saying that. When you look at the standings, are there colors next to your team? Uh, no. We're in third what place. Play, then, then you're then you're almost done. I mean, I don't know for sure how many teams get promoted in Ireland's leagues, but if you're in third, then you're definitely in the running because it's going to probably, probably be at going, least two. You're probably going to finish first because we just beat the first place team six to fucking nothing. Yeah. So I mean. <laughs> Okay, fine. If you don't, if you finish the season, you could use the "I just want to get UC Dublin to to the top league where they belong and where they've always belonged." This is a big club, and I just love this club so much. And then, you and then I can play another chance. year with them. No, no, no. <laughs> this is, I'm telling you, you, you need to get out, listeners. Please get on Twitter and tell James that he needs to leave UC Dublin and maybe and really I like test himself being a big fish in a small pond. You know, maybe think about you're not in a pond. You're in a fucking puddle. You're like literally struggling for air in a puddle. You remember what's the commercial with uh, it's like for the asthma commercial where the girl has asthma and they're showing like a goldfish flopping around on like a little puddle of water. And she's like, I feel like a fish without water. That's who you are right now. (laughs) Who is this girl? It's a commercial for like some what vivid imagery. It's, Why is she talking like that? It haunts me because it's a little girl who's got like asthma, and is it's it, some kind of I don't know exactly what what the commercial is. The little for. girl Rhea Perlman. No, no, she says it in like a little you know cute little two year old voice. She's like, I feel like a fish without water. Feel like a fish without water. 
I have a deep voice, all right? That her voice isn't as deep. <laughs> but you need to get Tiago out of there. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, if if for nothing else but show content. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So I can cry about like I don't know. Sala calling me a bitch in like the clubhouse or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, just, we need we need show content right now. We need we need the we need the Tiago Fegan transfer saga to get us through. <laughs> Day five of Tiago transfer watch. What if like I don't get requested and I have to go back to my team and like Liam Kerrigan and Jack Kearney like beat me up with a bar of soap stuffed in a sock like as I'm walking out of the out of the clubhouse late one night. They're Irish. They might just do that anyway. <laughs> If there's anything I know Not about the Irish, the good side. <laughs> they're, they're, they'll, they'll fight for no reason. Uh, let's let's get to shout outs. Speaking of soccer, my shout out is to I don't know James if you've ever watched it. Camp Sunderland till I die on Netflix. It is. I might now. It is. A, it's a f- very good documentary. I won't. Essentially, it follows Sunderland f- in their first season the year after. Die? After they were relegated from the Premier League into the championship. That's what season one is about. And then the second season just was came out last week. We binged it over the weekend. I won't get into spoilers of what happened, although obviously if you Do want it. to look it up. Okay, well, fine. In the first season, Sunderland is relegated to the championship, okay? And then things go really well because they get relegated again. <laughs> Down to League One. So this is a team that went from spending a decade straight in the Premier League, although it's not like they were a good Premier League team. They were generally finishing somewhere between 15th and 17th and in a relegation scrap every single year, sometimes just getting by by the skin of their teeth. But they get This is more about the till I die portion of the sentence. Yeah, it's about the fans. I mean, it's not just about the team. It's about the fans and the team's relationship to the city of Sunderland, which is a city in Northeast England, which, you know, used to be like a shipping magnet. And now these times, you know, like a lot of American cities, industrial cities, there's, there's not a lot there. Like the, the, it's not 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 a ton of money, not a ton of jobs, and the people are kind of vicariously living through their soccer team, which is pretty much plummeting because, again, it got relegated from Premier League to the championship, and then in its first year at the championship got relegated down to League One. And in season two, it's about its first year in League One. And spoiler alert, they don't get promoted. They get to the playoff final, and the match is tied in the fourth minute of extra time. They give up a goal. <laughs> meaning they have to spend at least another year in League One. And now, in present time, when the season came to a screeching halt like everything else, they're currently in seventh place in League One. So there's no guarantee they're going to get promoted this year. But anyways, it's a very interesting documentary. It's a good documentary. But all that being said, the opening credit song is the worst opening credit title, whatever you want to call it, song I have ever fucking heard for a television show. And my God, I mean, it's not like you never want to hit skip intro as it is when you're watching shows on Netflix, but you will never hit it quicker than you will when you're listening to this song. Are you about to play that song? Build boats? 
Now that it's that for like a minute and a half, and it's the most depressing song in the world. But it's just, it's not a good song. It's a very depressing song. And also, fun fact: the lyrics are on the river where they used to build the boats, but it's not where, as in who, what, when, where, why, or how. It's where, as in W E A R, because literally the river in Sunderland is called the River Where. <laughs> Oh, so he's not saying on the river where they used to build the boats, as in, hey, that's where they used to build the boats. It's no on the river where they used to build the boats. <laughs> they don't anymore either way. But yeah, it's who it is a horrible song. James, who is your shout out for? How do these catch you guys surprise every single fucking time? I I don't know, James, because you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's too true. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> Shout out to to Richie O'Donnell, who is some scrub we have on the bench. He was like, come, come in halfway through the game like the last two times for Liam Kerrigan, who apparently gets all the rest he wants, but I have to play all 90 minutes every fucking week, despite the fact that I'm tired. He's finished off some sweet assists I made, whereas Liam Kerrigan, that fucking five-foot piece of shit, glory hog, keeps kicking it wide of the goal by like six feet. Maybe he's getting benched for cause rather than rest. He used to be the man of the match. Now he's man of the bench. Fuck you, Liam. <laughs> for fuck's sake, James, we're literally giving you a segment to talk about Tiago in every show, and you're still using the shout-outs to talk about your fucking soccer teammates. <laughs> Well, technically they're just graphics that run across the screen, but I I have contempt for them like normal teammates. And I would like to point out that you bitch about your teammates and having to play all the time, yet you refuse to leave. You, it's like the team treats you for what you are, the best player on the team and the guy they need to rely on. And then when the team relies on you and uses you for the best player, you bitch about it. But you don't want to leave because you don't want to be a bad teammate. So what you are is a hypocrite and a phony. I don't. Using me as the best player doesn't mean I need to be playing in the 85th minute when we're up 5 nothing. Like, I can go sit down. I think it's fine. You're 15. Probably like, that's probably prudent. You're 15, James. You're not one of these old 18-year-olds <laughs> with worn-down legs. I will be soon at this rate. It seems like they're like giving, managing me on like the Kerry Wood plan of like let's just let's just blow him out and then like trade him right before he dies and all his knees fall apart. So get out, for the love of God, man! Just get out. I want an electricity title, damn it! Electricity. <laughs> I think oh. that's what our league's called. Now, now that it's now that I know it's the electricity title, <laughs> it's probably some. I don't know what electricity is. It's probably some sort of like outmoded Irish cloud computing that doesn't exist anymore. Let's look it up. Hold on. Let's see. Electricity. Uh, SSE Airtricity was founded in Ireland in 1997 and is now an energy company owned by SSE PLC. It is an international wind farm developer. So you're literally helping the environment, but that's not enough for you. Is it just like Irish guys riding on bikes and it powers electricity? That yes. type of wind farming? No, it's it's all the hot air coming out from I just want to be a good teammate bullshit that is powering the electricity <laughs> of entirety of the Ireland of or the island of Ireland. Even Northern Ireland is getting out of this with you. It's it's a Protestant electricity, but it's electricity all the same. If somebody knows about clean exits, it's Northern Northern Ireland. <laughs> 
that's that's what you come to White Sox business for because it sure as shit ain't White Sox talk right now. <laughs> I'm uh, just gonna I'm just gonna hold on in the electricity league until the next offer to get me out is to become GM of the Bulls. The rate things are going, it probably won't be long until they get to you and on the list. How embarrassing is that? We could, yeah, maybe maybe we'll do that on Thursday. We'll just do a show about the Chicago Bulls jet search for a general manager. We will we will become the de facto Chicago Bulls podcast for the Athletic without them even asking us to be. <laughs> We're already their soccer podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. We will be back on Thursday where we might talk about the White Sox. We'll more likely talk about Tiago Fegan and maybe the Chicago Bulls. Until then, uh, leave us a five-star rating on Apple if that's where you listen to us. Or if you don't even want to rate us, just, you know, tell a friend that might need something to listen to and help them get through because we all need that right now. And uh, thank you for listening to White Sox Business. We'll see you later this week. <laughs>